Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. This episode of Law Enforcement Today brought to you by Galls.com, sponsoring episodes of our podcast and radio show, sponsoring our app. And they've been in business for 50 years, 50 years serving first responders and law enforcement community. They're industry leaders. They've got a huge online catalog, everything you could ever want. Goals.com. Check them out. Their catalog is spectacular. Everything from like a retired guy like me to active guy like Robert, men, women, they've got everything you could ever need between tactical gear, clothing, footwear, everything. Also be sure to check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Joining us on the phone, calling from the Hartford, Connecticut area, our spokesperson person kyle reyes also uh the head of silentpartnermarketing.com kyle how are you i'm good jay how's it going i'm very very busy but i know that pales in comparison to you you're like one of the busiest people i have ever met <laughs> i think i'll take that as a compliment it is you're doing lots and lots of things in addition to being a spokesperson for law enforcement today uh which is, is keeping you busier and busier you also have behind the uniforms video series we also have your own business a silent partner marketing which you do business for a lot of folks and you have recently done something that's very very big that i couldn't attend which was operation innocence so those things right there that's no small task that's a, a large feat what do they say if you uh, want to get something done, ask a busy person? I think there's some legitimacy to that. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And the other thing is I've gotten to the point in my life where I can't stand waiting for someone else to do something, so I'd rather do it myself. Yep, 100%. And they, com- they complain like a madman about how to do everything. <laughs> Welcome to America in 2018. Uh, we're going to talk about Operation Innocence in just a few moments. That was a big, for lack of better words, seminar and meeting of the minds of people from all walks of life, law enforcement, military, business, entrepreneurs, about how to prevent and solve the school shooting problem. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the episode. First, there's something that you just released that is part of your Behind the Uniform series, and I want to applaud you for doing it. It involves our corrections officers, our brothers and sisters in corrections that never seem to get the accolades and the applause and the thanks and the congratulations for what they do. They have a really tough job. Agreed, man. They get no love from the general community. People think about law enforcement and they think about our, you know, men and women who serve and protect our communities, rightfully so. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot of groups tend to get lost in that mix. Uh, dispatchers get lost in that mix often, and correctional officers. In this case, we really wanted to sort of highlight and capture their stories and what they deal with as far as post-traumatic stress goes and some of the challenges that they face. One of the things we hear all the time is so-and-so was convicted of these heinous crimes and they were sentenced to life in prison. They go, well, the good news is they'll never see the light of day again. The bad news is, you and I both know this, that we have corrections officers that have to deal with these horrifically violent people 
every day for the rest of their lives and it's it's no walk in the park for them at all man it was dark i'm gonna be honest with you i wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting to go into a supermax prison and feel um you know feel a certain degree of of that darkness of it's very difficult to put into words we were at the Sousa Barnowski prison in Shirley, Massachusetts. It's where a lot of people are familiar with the name because that's where Aaron Hernandez was. And the men and women who were in there, as far as the correctional officers and the support staff, were incredible. I, I mean, just unbelievable people with the best attitudes and the best personalities. But I can't imagine being locked in there for 16, 18, 20 hours um, seeing the things that they do, having the experiences that they do, it's difficult. They, they've got my utmost respect. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I hear from corrections officers all the time that they'll say, uh, especially through law enforcement today, they'll say, we're the redheaded stepchildren. We don't get the recognition we deserve. And I always say, you're right, you don't. Uh, and partly because people have a misperception of what a corrections officer's job is, how difficult it is. And quite honestly, it's not something that the mainstream media puts out there, like what they're doing with law enforcement officers in general. They don't put out the quality things that law enforcement officers do, and they certainly don't do it for corrections officers as well. Right. Well, and you've got to keep in mind, too, the other components, and, and this is one of the areas that I'm blessed to have an opportunity because I'm not a sworn law enforcement officer, is that when something happens and something bad comes out of there, they can't talk about it. And so the media looks at that and says, well, they're not talking. They must be guilty. The, the correctional officer must have been responsible for that death. But the truth of it is that they're, they, they can't talk while an investigation is underway. And oftentimes after it's completed, they still can't talk no. about it. And so it's definitely one of the challenges from a perception issue that they face in the media these days. And we have that in law enforcement. Most of our guests on the show, Law Enforcement Today's show, are retired because they are free to talk. Active duty officers are extremely restricted about what they can say in the media, if at all. And there is punishment. There is disciplinary action that that will accompany that, even if it's towing the party line, for lack of better words, and if it goes against what the public information officer is supposed to say, you can find yourself walking a footpost on midnight in January and punishment comes very quickly. Well, Jay, to give a little bit of context, we filmed this series back in September. And so the video that we dropped was sort of a compilation of some of the stories about post-traumatic stress and experiences that they faced. We have another, I don't know, eight, 10, 12, individual stories that are going to be dropping over the next couple of weeks. We filmed it in September and we're done editing it by the end of September. And the the wait between then and now has been the approval process. And don't get me wrong, I'm extremely appreciative and grateful that we had the opportunity to go in there. But it just goes to show the process from a public relations perspective of how long it takes. And, and these are positive stories that we're putting out there. They're difficult, but they portray the correctional officers in the positive light that they deserve. And yet it was still an extremely lengthy, tedious process to go through. And this is behind the uniform series, and you can see them on our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today, and any of the groups we run. You can also... Do you, are they posted anywhere on a website that you run or you control? Uh, BehindTheUniforms.com. So uh, you have uh, stories of officers, corrections officers, law enforcement officers, um, and people from all walks of life that, that have encountered horrific things. And there's a lot of good stories in there. A lot, I did one a long time ago, and I found it rather refreshing because I could talk 
and tell people a little bit about me and policing that they never would have suspected. You know, one of the cool things about this whole series, Jay, and I had another conversation with somebody about it today, is that we, listen, we don't make any money on this. You guys don't make any money on this. We all do this just because it's the right thing to do and because these are untold stories. But one of the things that's been consistent in terms of feedback, I've had many men and women come on the show and call me after and say, you know, I've never talked about that before and I'm glad I did. It felt good to get it off my chest. I've had messages come in, people who said, I've been contemplating suicide, and then I saw such and such video where somebody talked about post-traumatic stress, and I realized I wasn't alone, and I reached out to them. I mean, that is such an incredible blessing to, to have those stories. I mean, this isn't; these aren't law enforcement today's stories. These aren't my stories. These are the stories of the men and women who serve right. and protect our communities and our country. And so to know that those stories are making an impact in the lives of others is a pretty cool thing. If you have not done so, do a Google search for Behind the Uniform video series, or just go to Law Enforcement Today, and you'll see them. We we have so many of them on there. Uh, in your opinion, how prevalent a problem in law enforcement, first responders, including our dispatchers, corrections officers, is uh, PTSD and or TBI? Well, I mean, so uh, I look at the two as being two different, um, you know, conversation pieces. They are. The bigger bigger problem here with post-traumatic stress is that we're finally coming around to talking about it in the military community and in the veteran community. But it's a different, it's largely a different kind of post-traumatic stress that's faced in that community versus law enforcement. Uh, You know, I've had many friends who have been overseas and they, you know, their unit hits an IED and they they're wounded and and they're recovering and they're dealing with post-traumatic stress from one or two incidents um you know others it's it's cumulative it's the stress that they face while over there but in law enforcement it tends to be something that's dragged out over 10 20 30 years and we tend to not talk about that and these guys tend to internalize things one arguably is because they're concerned that if they talk about it they're going to lose their ability to provide for their family right and so you're encouraged a little bit more so now than ever before in the military and veteran community to talk about it, but we still don't have proper precautions and procedures in place to help the sworn law enforcement officers to be willing and, and open to talking about it because they fear for their livelihoods. And one of the things I always stress to people is find someone to talk to. And if you can find someone that has experience in trauma, uh, whether it be a professional, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, therapist, or other law enforcement officers, peer support, talk to them. Don't carry the burden by yourself. Life does get much, much better if you take those steps. We're talking with Kyle Reyes, silent partner marketing law enforcement today spokesperson and we're going to take a short break we come back we're going to talk about operation innocence and some big things that happen in connecticut regarding school shootings so don't go anywhere you listen to law enforcement today we'll be right back if you are current or previous law enforcement firefighter or military and are considering buying or selling real estate contact honor the brave honor the brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money 10 percent of the agent's commission goes back to you additionally they donate five percent of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice current or previous law enforcement firefighter or military considering buying or selling real estate contact honor the brave online at honorthebrave.com Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of 
that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today studios. Joining us, Kyle Reyes. Big meeting of the minds just recently. Uh, that I was not able to make, I wanted to, uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, and you called it Operation Innocence. Give us an overview of what that was about. Yeah, so right after the shooting that happened in Florida, the school shooting, I put out a video where um, it, it was more of a rant than anything else, talking about how we needed to start looking at common sense solutions to stop school shootings. And the video blew up. It got a couple million views in just a few days. And as a result, I was inundated with messages from people who were saying, you know, I had uh, I had this suggestion and this idea, but nobody listened to me because I didn't rank high enough at the Department of Justice or in my uh, department or at the Secret Service or at the CIA. I mean, the people that were reaching out to me were unbelievable. And then I had everyday people reaching out. I had people who reached out and said, well, I know how to get into any school and kill everybody there, and I'm trying to get people to listen to me so we can stop it, but nobody listens because I'm a custodian Uh or I'm just a parent. And so I realized that we have done a lousy job of activating the smartest minds in America to really go after these problems. We tend to always come back to the age-old debate of, uh, you know, guns versus no guns, and there's so, so, so much more to this. So we put together a summit, a uh, two-day summit, and a task force called Operation, Indira, uh, I'm sorry, Operation Innocence. And with Operation Innocence, the whole concept was that we wanted combat veterans turn entrepreneurs. We wanted everyday Americans. We wanted law enforcement officers. We wanted, you know, just a really good mix of people who could come together in a variety of different areas with different areas of expertise and specialty and come up with common sense solutions to stop these school shootings. So we locked ourselves in a hotel for 48 hours. We opened and ended with prayer because we could all use a little bit of guidance and, and support in this. And brother, what came out of this was just mind blowing. And this was just the beginning. We're just getting started. So we're expanding the task force. We're putting boots on the ground in 50 states. We're putting together an Operation Innocence certification program for schools that's going to involve a, a massive threat assessment and analysis. We're working on the funding because it's not enough. We have four very unique deliverables with this. The first is make a series of recommendations that are nonpartisan to schools that can be implemented immediately at little to no cost to begin taking action right away. Because that's always going to be an issue with the government say we want to do this, but we can't afford it. So you're taking that part out of the equation. Of course. Well, look, for example, at uh, I'll give you one great example here is fires. So when was the last time a kid had a cigarette in the bathroom, threw it in the trash can, and burned down the school? Well, the, the, arguably never. 
but we still have active fire drills all the time, but we're not doing active killer drills. Right. You can't turn a fire drill into an active killer drill, but an active killer drill can also be a fire drill. And I want to specify that we believe in referring to, to what happens here as active killers and not active shooters. You and I go out to the range, we're a shooter, and we feel like calling it an active shooter takes away from the severity and the danger of what we're facing here and sort of takes puts people at ease. We don't care about feelings in this. We care about solutions, and we care about protecting our kids. So... Uh, implementing some of these solutions at the school level. Uh, next up is the legislative level, putting together a series of nonpartisan recommendations for ways that we can really go after some of the causes here and prevent some of these school shootings. The third was the money. The goal is to find the money. And then the fourth and final is a business consortium of businesses and individuals who want to volunteer or donate their time, talent, treasure, or resources and expertise to helping in this mission. I think it's phenomenal, A, that you're saying, you've said it several times, this is all done in a nonpartisan way. So it's not involving right. politics or political parties or what side of the aisle you're on. Because most people are like me. They're in the middle somewhere. They just right. want some solutions and yep. don't want to be bogged down in years of committees that have nothing happening, nothing change. Did you guys take a different approach? I mean, you've got a lot of different suggestions from what I've seen. Yep. First of all, what, where can people find some of the suggestions? Because we can't cover all of them right here. There's a video. People can find it. Where is it at? Yep, video's up on law enforcement today, and we also have details about the task force, and we'll be keeping people up to date on protectingthekids.com. On protectingthekids.com, we're asking people to send in their ideas, their suggestions, their feedback. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. One of the problems that we've had in society is that there are so many labels that are placed on people that define what their what level of seriousness we should take their ideas with. And that's pretty messed up. If you've got a, a full-time mom who has a suggestion, but she's not going to be taken seriously because she's not active in the schools or she's not sworn law enforcement, we've got a really big problem there. And so protectingthekids.com, we are taking, the entire task force is signed up, so when emails come in with suggestions and ideas, it goes out to the whole task force. Excellent. And that, that right there is a huge accomplishment because you're right. So often people are discounted immediately for a, a variety of reasons, not the least of which is, what do you know? Well, right. that might have been a little bit of nugget of information. May not be the whole solution, but that little bit of information could be something that a great program can start from. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you an example of on the legislative side, because people say, well, how can something be nonpartisan? Well, I would, I would suggest that first by something starting with common sense. Uh, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. But if you look at the concept of gun-free zones, right? So gun-free zones immediately go partisan. Well, we need to remove gun-free zones or we need to, uh, you know, just uh, increase the number of gun-free zones. But let's look a little bit deeper. So let's take that component out of the equation. If I am a sworn law enforcement officer in the state of Connecticut and I go into a public high school to pick up my child and I'm carrying my weapon, my duty weapon when I go into that school and there's an active killer and I pull out my weapon and I take out that threat, I've now committed a felony. That's a huge, huge problem. I don't care where you stand on the whole concept of gun-free zones. These men and women took an oath to serve and protect. And you're now going to, now the argument could be made, well, they're not going to be charged with a felony. Okay, but, but that's arbitrary at that point. 
looking at making exemptions for sworn law enforcement officers and maybe putting in place a good Samaritan law that protects against criminal and civil liability if you're able to stop uh, school killing from happening. So this is where I say it's really important for us to step aside from all of the politics and look deeper and really just focus on saving kids' lives. Our kids don't know bureaucracy. Our kids don't know Democrats versus Republicans. Hopefully, they don't. And I think the part of protecting their innocence needs to be protecting their innocence politically and not putting them in the middle of a, a match between left and right, but really just focusing on safety. One of the questions I've always had, and when people ask me about it, they'll say, why is it tougher to sneak a gun a knife, a pressure cooker into a jail than it is into a school. Why do we have better security for our prison inmates than we do for our students? Absolutely. Well, and look no further than some states that have allowed legalized use of recreational marijuana. So some states have laws that require armed guards to protect the cannabis plants. So we can have laws to protect cannabis plants but not to protect our kids. And this is where, again, we have to sort of check our egos politically and understand that in a school shooting situation, there are only two things that stop an active killer. One is suicide. Two is somebody taking them out. Now, we can debate all day long who that person is. Uh, you know, we can begin looking at other resources like like guns that fire the equivalent of bean bags that are largely non-lethal. We can have those conversations all day long. But if we're going to check ourselves politically, it means that we have to look at the reality of what situations are. We also need to look at response time. We also need to look at uh, emergency communications, which are often they fall apart in situations like this because there's no relay device in the school. So law enforcement gets in there. Maybe they're from another town and they're unable to communicate outside the school because their comms don't work. Right. So there are just so many issues at play. But it was also important for us, Jay, to look deeper, to look at the causes here, to look at childhood development. I believe the stat was 26 out of the last 27 uh, mass school shootings, the kid didn't have a dad in the picture. So we're looking at everything from early childhood development to accountability for parents to the, the roles of uh, you know, God and patriotism and to early education. There's so much more at play here that goes so far above and beyond the idea of just guns or no guns. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. This is a lengthy, lengthy conversation. Again, people can find more details online at Law Enforcement Today. Look for the video. And also, what's the website address one more time? Uh, protectingthekids.com and up on law enforcement today we're going to be sharing a lot more videos of some of the task force members their stories of why they got involved what they believe in ideas recommendations suggestions we just hope people send in their ideas and their feedback and one of the things folks can do is they can share those when they see those they share them on their page and uh, maybe even send that to uh, a legislator in their area kyle reyes uh, silent partner marketing and spokesperson for law enforcement today thanks so very much we appreciate it man Thanks for having me, brother. Talk soon. We're going to take a short break. Then we've got another great guest heading your way in just a few moments. This is Law Enforcement Today. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. 
the second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 3ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.the3ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 3ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley in the studio. Joining us from my old stomping grounds, the suburbs of Washington, D.C. in Maryland, Rose Borso. Rose is a 30-year veteran of the Montgomery County Police Department. Rose, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. First of all, this is something I've got to get better at doing. So many people tell me thank they thank me for my service, and I found that I'm very lacking in thanking other officers, male and female, brothers and sisters, for their service. So I want to get that out of the way right away. Thank you so very much for your service uh, to your community and the state of Maryland, and I appreciate all you do. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. So 30 years policing in Montgomery County. You've seen quite a few changes, haven't you? Oh, my gosh, yes. I started with a cruiser that had the bubble gum rotating thing on top. <laughs> so did I. But unlike you, we didn't have sirens. Oh, no. Yeah, Baltimore in the early there? 80s, we had no <laughs> sirens. We'd, we'd blow the horn and stick our head out the window and yell, get out of the way. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so top that one. <laughs> well, back then we had AM radios, which I got to have my uh, music in the middle of the night to keep me awake, so... I would keep a boombox on the seat next to me. So when I went code three, lights and sirens, the uh, boombox would end up on the floor. Everything would be everywhere. And nowadays you get in, in these cruisers and they're completely ducked out. They have, uh, you know, a CD player, uh, the um, MDC, they've got everything in there. So they're it's amazing. actually a, more of a cockpit. Yeah. It, well, it is your office for, you know, all those hours every day you work. So it's nice to have some creature comforts. The, I imagine you have things like air conditioning and heat that actually works. Oh, yes. Nowadays, yes. They definitely <laughs> spoil you county folks because we, we were we lucky. We do have, have it very good. Well, well, I'm glad. What are you doing in the Montgomery County Police Department now? What's your role? 
I'm a I'm a street officer. I respond to uh, calls for service and traffic stops and things like that. You know, um, I've been doing that my whole career with short term part time stints at the academy. I would um, I've been working the midnight shift for 23 years, um, and then before that we did rotating schedules where we switched every week four different schedules. So. They finally went to a, a permanent shift, and I grabbed up the midnight shift because I've always been a night person. So after I was on a few years, I became very involved with the academy and started teaching part-time the uh, physical training, defensive tactics, and range instructor. So I would sleep a few hours in the morning, get up, go teach at the academy, and then work all night. So that was in my younger years. I don't think I could do that nowadays. Yeah, I've, I don't get eight hours sleep. I'm wrecked for like three days, and, and I could go forever and ever when i was younger and like three hours sleep and back at it oh yeah or just stay up you know on your last day stay up for 24 hours i couldn't do that now at all you know it's funny how how (laughs) sensitive i've become over the years i mean physically and emotionally i don't know if police work had anything to do that but certainly if i don't get enough sleep i don't get to eat i get cranky irritable tired it's like remember nap time (laughs) in kindergarten i need that well, you sound like me going through menopause. <laughs> well, I don't have an excuse, though. I want to thank you also. Something you're doing besides policing, something you've been doing on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and you've been doing it for quite a while, is that every officer who's fallen, right. every officer killed in the line of duty, you create a custom memorial artwork for that officer. How long have you been doing that? Oh, gosh. I think it's been going on now for six years where I've done every single one, six or seven years, I'll do every single fallen officer, every canine that's fallen in the line of duty. And then I'll do others by request. If a family member or friend messages me on my uh, Facebook page or website or email, um, hey, a friend of mine died of cancer. He was an officer for la da 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 And I'll do a tribute for that officer as well if they give, send me the images and all that. I can't do all of them, you know. I had some people starting to send me every canine that died of old age, and I just can't, you know, you can't. I couldn't keep up with that, so no. I have to kind of be careful. But I think at this point, I've done over twelve hundred tributes. When I sit down and try to add it up, approximately twelve hundred tributes. Why? That's um, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't profit from it at all. I actually operate my business at a at a large loss. Um, I just can't charge for, you know, people are like, why don't you charge more? You should charge money for this. And I'm like, I can't charge money for people suffering. And I'm doing it to bring them some comfort. And it and it also gives back to me. You know, it, it makes me feel good to make other people feel better about their situation and their loss. You know, it all started, I, I used to draw as a child. And then I, a uh, neighbor woman was a graphic artist and I started hanging out with her and she taught me to use the pen and inks and um, I would started doing pen and ink drawings, uh, very detailed wildlife scenarios, let's say. And uh, I'd pick it up every now and then during times of stress in my life, I'd go back to my artwork. Oddly enough, it was very comforting. And um, so I might take a five-year break and then go back and do a really uh, involved picture, very detailed, and then walk away from it again when life would get hectic. So about nine years ago, 
I found myself at the Law Enforcement Memorial in D.C., which, you know, I'm fairly close to. It's about a 40-minute drive. And it took me it took me a very, very long time to get there. Uh, I, yeah, uh, I, I didn't go there early on in my career either, and I don't think a lot of officers do. I don't I, know why. I was, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Rose. I was afraid, and my wife went with mm-hmm. me when I was uh, working at a classic rock station in Southern Maryland. We finally went, and it was an incredibly emotional experience. And I don't mean emotional for, mm-hmm. you know, five, ten minutes. It was emotional for several hours. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially if you know people on the wall or people from your department. Yeah, it's very intense. But it's something I think that that every law enforcement officer, active, retired, former, or someone who wants to get in a profession and their family members should do. And and I would encourage them to do it with someone that they love, a family member or close friends. You can go there by yourself for sure, but share it with other people because their stories need to be told. They need to be remembered. Oh, there's over 20,000 names on that wall. It's, you know, you you walk through there and you can just feel all that emotion and you see people and like like I was down there not, 9 years ago just visiting. Uh went I can't remember what the original mission was, just to go down there and hang out with a friend and I look over and there's a a young woman with two little girls and she was hanging out by one of the male lions. They have these, you know, right. for people that don't know there are male uh, and female statue lions at either end, and um, they're very regal looking, and they're overlooking the wall as guardians and um, representing us as law enforcement officers. So I look over, and the mother stand back, and she's taking a photograph. And just then, the little girl lifted her hand up to the uh, male lion's face, like you know, like uh, trying to touch his chin. And it was it was so touching, and I could just feel a heaviness about them that I knew, you know, I knew in my heart that her husband's on that wall. And I'd snapped a couple pictures really quick and that affected me. In that moment right there, I said, I want to do, I want to do artwork of this memorial. So I went home and I started playing around with the pictures and I, I uh, drew the lion on the wall with the little girl holding her hand up. And um, I approached the gift store for the memorial and uh, the woman who runs that, Bonnie, she was like, absolutely, we'll, you know, be more than happy to sell this in our gift store. So from then on, I've had a very good relationship with them, and uh, they sell three of my pieces in their gift store. So that was very meaningful. So from there, it kind of snowballed into this, you know, slowly snowballed into this uh, doing these uh, tributes for every fallen officer across the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada. It keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> and that's in addition to working as a full-time police officer and working midnight oh, yeah. shifts. So where do you find the time to do this? Uh, you know, I do it every day. It's it's an everyday task at either ends of the day. When I get up, I'll have my breakfast and then sit down with the computer for a couple hours and knock out uh, what, you know, needs to be done. I'll check and see. And it's it's a sad task. I mean, who's who's died? And uh, I'll get or I'll get notifications um, or requests um, for cancer deaths or whatever, and it's just an ongoing, you know, kind of. I'm a little OCD, so I like to feel like things are done, but this list never, it never gets completely done. There's always some something more to do, so it's a little stressful. But you know, it like I said, it gives me so much in return to know that I'm helping people. You may not know it at the time, you hear later, you know, because it's sad work. You hand people, when I hand them over in person, it's they cry and it's very touching and you're like, well, you know, making people cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's very intense. 
But you hear later, like maybe years later or whatever, how much that artwork helped them just to know that somebody loved them enough to do that, even somebody they didn't know from across the country. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very meaningful. And Do you have a website where people can get examples of the artwork and more information about what you do? Oh, sure. I have a, well, I have a Facebook page. It has all of them on there, uh, divided up by years, and they can look for their loved ones if they like, uh, or just take a look. Rose Borso Graphics, G-R-A-F-X, F is in Frank, X is in X-Ray, um, and the website's by the same name, where I do actually will sell, like, retirement pieces, If I uh, do sell those, and those help fund the free pieces that I send out. So if you just Google my name, Rose Borisa, which is such an everyday name, right? Yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll come right up. But um, they can find me through Law Enforcement Today, too. That's right. LawEnforcementToday.com. Uh, it's all right there. We're going to take a short break. We are talking to Rose Borso, career 30-year officer of the Montgomery County, Maryland Police Department. Uh, you listen to Law Enforcement Today. We'll be right back. If you are current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military and are considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave. Honor the Brave is a nationwide real estate program that allows these families to keep more of their hard-earned money. 10% of the agent's commission goes back to you. Additionally, they donate 5% of the commission to the nonprofit of your choice. Current or previous law enforcement, firefighter, or military, considering buying or selling real estate, contact Honor the Brave online at honorthebrave.com. Warning, don't let your business get left behind in what is likely to be the biggest economic boom in recent history. If you need to build for your business to grow, call General Steel today for a pre-engineered steel building designed for your needs. No wasted space. Steel prices are expected to rise, but you can still lock in your price on a General Steel building. And you can still save as much as half the cost and time of conventional construction. As much as half. But you must call now. If you need a church building, office, warehouse, manufacturing space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50-year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800-614-7180. 800-614-7180. That's 800-614-7180. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is June 15th through 17th at beautiful Lake George, New York. The second annual Law Enforcement Officers Weekend is a perfect relaxing getaway for law enforcement officers, active, retired, and their families. Get more information about events and activities online at leoweekend.com. Enter the code LET18 at checkout for special discounts. That's LET18 at checkout on leoweekend.com. Welcome back to the studios. Joining us, Rose Borso from Montgomery County Police Department, Montgomery County, Maryland. That would just be north of Washington, D.C. and uh, southwest of where I worked in Baltimore. And uh, very close to each other, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but like worlds apart. Uh, Montgomery County and Baltimore City. (laughs) It's like comparing elephants and cows. Uh, Mammals, yes. Four-legged, yes. But that's where the similarities cease. Well, we have our, you know, we have our good parts and bad parts. I think every jurisdiction You do. And unfortunately, as a police officer, you wind up, at least in my opinion, you wind up seeing all of it and you wind up 
encountering people all the time in their worst case scenarios. It's not that we get to meet people when things are going great all the time. Absolutely. So it's an emotional grind. It can be a physical grind over the years, and but definitely takes a toll. One of the questions I get all the time, and I'm opposed to you, if you have a chance to tell everybody in America one thing you would like them to know about being a police officer, what would that be? You know, it absolutely breaks my heart to see some people actually believe that we're on a mission to hurt people. And that's so not true. You know, we're far from perfect. We're going to have a bad apple here and there, and we do our best to try and weed them out from the start. But you just, you know, human nature is such that you can't do that all the time. And every time there's a a bad shooting, quote unquote, or a perceived bad shooting, we don't even get the benefit of the doubt. It's just we're automatically tried in, in the court of, you know, public opinion for the most part, uh, the people that don't understand the things we deal with and go through, they think some people think we're actually going out there and doing this on purpose to hurt people, and it's just not true. And that doesn't you know, make 99... sense logically. There's, if you think about it logically, there's nothing about that's remotely close to factual. All the right, all the interactions that police across America have with people every day, right? It's, it's a the vast majority have nothing to do with arresting people. And B, right. the ones involved use of force are minuscule in nature. And the ones involved deadly force, uh, it, it's almost not even like in a percentage point. It's it's minuscule. And and I get it. I mean, anything really bad shouldn't happen. But, I mean, human nature, it, it, we're going to have a bad thing happen every now and then. But to believe that we're all out here doing that and we're against them, that's just not the case. There's just so much hate going on right now, and it absolutely breaks my heart to be doing this for 30 years. I mean, I've, I've worked through the Rodney King and uh, the, all the hate after that, um, which, you know, not, not necessarily wasn't undeserved for that incident, but we all paid for it, you know. So that's part of wearing a uniform. You put on a uniform, and you represent, we all represent each other. So anytime one officer does something in California, Florida, wherever, we're all going to pay the price for that. And it's just, I guess it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, uh, with social media the way it is, you know, good and bad, we're all going to pay that price. And it's heartbreaking to me. 99.9% of us are here for the right reason. We're here to help others. We give our soul to this job. I know I have. And and it kills me to see that, that people don't believe, some people don't believe that. You could have retired a long time ago. You've got 30 years on a job, and yet you're still doing this. It's not because you have to, obviously. Uh, I could sell everything and go to the beach and go fishing every day. <laughs> and every now and then I say that as a joke, and I'm like, well, you're a dummy. Why don't you? But uh, I absolutely love it. I was born to do this job, and it would, um, I, would be, uh, I would miss it greatly if I left now. And I work for a great agency. You I think do. it has a lot to do with where you work and who you work with. And I think that's like the, for those young officers or people thinking about going into law enforcement out there, I would be really picky and careful about where you work. Uh, like a, Montgomery County is a medium-sized agency, very progressive, an awesome FOP. We're protected. I talk to officers all over the United States and the world through my artwork, and I hear 
you know, how miserable it is for some people out there in these smaller agencies that don't have protections, especially these It's days. true. I've been hearing lots of stories about officers getting injured and then uh, not having, yep. you know, being retired and not having health insurance and things that, that we Just take for today. granted. Yep. Just today Bottles I saw a, a female talking about that um, in a group that I'm in, that she was injured, needs surgery, and the chief is trying to fire her. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't know the details on that, but, you know, it's it's very sad that that's, that's even taking place nowadays. It happens more often than people realize. I'm glad you brought up, we were talking to younger officers when you worked at the academy and did some teaching. If you were questioned by a, a young person that was interested in pursuing a career in law enforcement, especially a relative, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? Nowadays or? Nowadays. Um, I mean, I would still recommend it. I like again. I would just be really careful who you work for, and what area. Montgomery County is a nice mix. You know, we have enough action to keep it interesting without being overwhelming. Um, so I would think about these things before you you go for that department. I was lucky enough to get hired by them, and it's just been an awesome family. You know, this we are a family in this department. And I know some people don't have that experience. And when you've got all the bad things that you deal with, I've been in a shooting. I've helped catch three murderers. You know, I've had quite a career. I was the first and only female in SWAT. And through it all... Wait a minute. You're, you're the first and only female in SWAT? And, and how long ago did that happen? Uh, that was 20... I uh, was 22 years ago. Yeah. So. And I, I don't think I've ever heard... Rose Boroso, first female SWAT officer <laughs> in Montgomery County, Maryland. But yet I hear it nowadays saying, oh, this is the first officer. And I go, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense because I've known female officers in the 1980s that, that did remarkable things. And yeah. uh, that, that, that no one seems to talk about and they forget that history. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Was it different well, back then than compared to now? As far as SWAT? Or no, general perception. People have a perception that um, it's a male-dominated industry, which it is, but that we were somehow exclusive towards uh, females or minorities or anything of that nature. I think it's it's all inclusive now. I mean, at least where I work, we're like I said, it's a family, and I look around on calls, and there's sometimes there's more females than males, uh, at least for my department, and. Uh, we, you know, women will always have to prove themselves a little extra, but uh, like I said, I taught I taught part time thirty recruit classes in my career. So at one point, I know every we have t- about twelve hundred sworn on our department. Um, at one point, I had trained or had a hand in training just about everybody on the street. And once I started doing this artwork, I stopped doing that. But I would always tell them, you know, the women have to fight a little bit harder, have to prove themselves. But at the end of the day, when you're going toe-to-toe with somebody on PCP, you can take all those gender differences out, and it's all about heart. It's about right. you have to stay in the fight. You have to give your your everything to stay alive sometimes, you know? All we ever cared about, all I ever cared about was I didn't care how big you were, how strong you were. Right. If I was in a battle, grab an arm and do what you can do till we can get the person subdued. Rose Barso, exactly. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your service in the police department. And most importantly, thank you for all the memorial graphics you do. You can see them on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. Again, thanks for being a guest. And what's your website and Facebook page one more time? Rose Borso Graphics, G-R-A-F-X. And I just want to 
give a huge shout out to all of my fellow officers on my department and friends on Facebook because because of them, I'm able to send out free artwork to survivors. I mean, they donate uh, readily to my cause, and I just want to give them a huge thank you because I couldn't do what I do without their help and support. And please tell them we said thank you as well. Thank you so much. That's the Blue family for you. (laughs) When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. If you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a great guest but you know doesn't want to say, uh, I don't want to seek attention myself, we'd love to hear from And we'd accommodate them from anywhere. It doesn't matter where they are. They, don't, they could be anywhere. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Oregon, doesn't matter. We can uh, record them here at our studios. Yeah. So just contact us. The easiest way is go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the contact us tab. Send an email to me, jay at lawenforcementtoday.com or robert at lawenforcementtoday.com. You can also send a message via Facebook. We're all over this thing called the World Wide Web, Instagram and all that stuff too. On behalf of everyone associated with law enforcement today, I'm John J. Wiley. Till next time, see ya. (laughs) 